Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh, serve fast, serve friendly, lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. In episode 36, Oscar continues his conversation with former WKYT sports anchor Rob Bromley. Up until his retirement, Rob covered the Cats for 40 years, and quite a bit has happened in those 40 years. From athletics directors to football coaches and basketball coaches, Rob has experienced some unique encounters with them all, and he shares these encounters with the Big Blue Nation. Oscar and Rob will take you through the athletics directors, starting with Cliff Hagen and the ADs in between, including CM Newton, Larry Ivey, Terry Mobley, and the current AD, Mitch Barnhart. Oscar and Rob will discuss the football hires, including Fran Kersey, Jerry Claiborne, Bill Curry, Hal Mummy, Guy Morris, Rich Brooks, Joker Phillips, and Mark Stoops. And we'll also hear about the basketball coaches as well, starting with Joe B. Hall, Eddie Sutton, Rick Pitino, Tubby Smith, Billy Gillespie, and of course, John Calipari. The athletic directors and the coaches may change, but the one person who has stayed the same for 40 years, his name's Rob Bromley. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. Rob, you came here in 1977, and you got to be associated with and work with, since you all were the official UK station, you had more access or yeah. had to work with the guys a little bit more than everybody else. But <laughs> let's, just, let's just go through, first of all, the ADs that you work with. Uh, you came in with Cliff Hagen. Yes, here. yes. He had replaced Harry Lancaster, I think, in 74. Yes. And what was uh, he like? Cliff... Uh, was was soft spoken. He was always uh, Cliff was always super to me, and I will always you know have a good memory memory of of Cliff. Uh, he both he and Martha were they were and that's one thing about being here, Oscar. There were there were people in these positions who um, and I was still in my twenties, but who treated me so well, so. Uh, you know, I always, I always admired Cliff. He was a Kentucky hero. I hated to see what, what happened to him happened later. You know, as we got near the end of the eighties. Uh, you know, and the surprising thing about that too, was I, th- I thought he was at the very least a scapegoat. Yes. And at the very worst, just a situation where a new AD wanted his old man there, and he was never accused of anything, to my memory. Right, and I, I I can only imagine um, how hard it was on Cliff. I mean, you know, personally, I I really don't know, but uh, I can only imagine that it was so hard on him. And I, I would think that he it had to have been pretty bitter, bitter about it. There, there, there were I think there were people Oscar who thought that Cliff was was kind of aloof, but with with me. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't like that. I always had a good relationship with him. You know. You know. I think there were some similarities from some people 
who would say, if you didn't know him, he wasn't a guy that would always go up and say, hey, right. I'm Cliff Hagen, right. AD. Yeah. But once you got to know him, or anybody yeah. got to know him, it's a totally yeah. right. And you know, mm-hmm. there's some people that yeah. said that for many years about Mitch Barnhart. Right. He was not a, a shake and howdy type of uh, right. type of type of person. But I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, and uh, I had a good good relationship with with Cliff through the years. And of course, his assistant for many many years was Larry Ivy and yeah I had a good relationship uh, with Larry Larry had such a tremendous future and then sort mm-hmm. of things fell apart but I always had good relationship with Larry yeah Larry Larry was uh, very very personable I had a good relationship with uh, Larry too and I, I uh, you know the way things the way things ended it was uh, you know that was it had to have been very very hard on very very hard on him but uh, uh I've got good good memories of, of both of them, and C.M. Newton come along in ninety, sort of returning yeah. home for pretty yeah. much a decade. Yeah, he was a man who had his really had uh, his his finger on the pulse of what was going on, and was was what the school needed at that time, with without question, without uh, question. And of course, Larry then replaced him as AD for a couple mm-hmm. years until that happened. And then yeah. there was a there was a guy in the middle of it that very few people out in the state, I think, only recognize him as an ex player. But uh, it was it was very important that for that year in between Larry Ivy and Mitch Barnhart that things could survive. And the interim AD there for that year was a guy named Terry Mobley. Yeah, Terry Mobley, uh, great, done a lot for the university over the years. Pretty much worked his entire yeah. career for him in development. Yeah, yeah, and you're right, Oscar. There were there were few that would remember that, but that was a that was a time when there needed to be some some stabilization, and he certainly provided that. The amazing thing is, you look at how things changed over this period that you've just talked about. And you're, you're talking about the athletic directors being, uh, you know, former football coaches or uh, former icon players, you know, icons like Cliff was. And then it turns to, it becomes such a business and the dollars are just so, it's just amazing the way, the way it's changed. I remember when I came here in 76 oh. Oh. and went to the first athletics board meeting. What the budget was? And the budget was two. <laughs> Point one million dollars. Yeah, that was it for everything. I mean, there was a certain AD, uh, AD in this state just a couple of years ago made more than that. <laughs> but uh, that's how times have changed. And I can remember going to one of the board meetings. Yeah, and wow. they brought up the budget, and the budget was, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the ticket manager would be there, and Larry Ivy would be there, saying, "Well, you know, we've researched this." Our plane expense, charter plane this year is going to go up 2.3%. Our meals mm-hmm. are going to go up 1.2%. Our scholarship is going to go up. And Cliff would say, well, the main thing is how much are we going to have to increase the ticket prices to make the budget? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. how much money we made. We just right. got to get the revenue to match our expense. And that's the way it was done for many years. Yeah. yeah. And now you got a $140 million a year budget. Yes, it's, it's amazing. And, the, of course, the dollars that are – that are brought in from television, you know, you never could have, uh, you never could have what, imagined back in those days. What would happen? Hmm. Do you think in the next ten years, if suddenly 
as we all know, ESPN has mm-hmm. lost millions of dollars in the last six years through uh, cord cutting, as they call it. Yeah. Uh, if suddenly the SEC network blows up mm-hmm. and you're not getting $100 per subscriber per cable company in the future, mm-hmm. yeah. are we looking at intramural sports again if that happens? You know, I, I don't know if I, I'm the one to ask about predicting about what's going to happen down the line in the future. <laughs> I never could have predicted if you turn the clock back a dozen years what's happened as far as social media and everything. You know, Oscar, to be quite honest with you, I really don't know what the what the future holds as, as far as broadcasting and, and what the dollars will be like and how it will be delivered to, to the viewer. And, and what the future holds for social media, what it holds for local TV. I, I throw all that in there, too. I, I really don't know. Do you remember back when there was a university in SEC created Tiger Vision? Yes. Well, I remember Tiger Vision. Yes. And, you well. know, it was predicated Big on deal. selling its item to local cable companies. Yes. And it's, it's sort of a little mm-hmm. bit like what the SEC network is today. Were they right. just so far ahead of the time? Yeah. Because it did go belly up after a couple of years. It did. It did because ES, you know, ESPN came in and started doing more and more live games. But you had to have a subscription uh, for Tiger Vision. I remember going down there and we would get to do the one game live. The first one I did was in 1983. And uh, our picture, we, we just used Tiger Vision's picture. We, we did a stand-up tape to open it. We also did a pregame show, too. But, but, but other than that, we were on Tiger Vision's video. I remember watching the games, and then when they yeah. flashed for a replay, some tiger would come up. Yeah, like, why are we seeing this on KYT? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that was. Uh, I did probably a couple of games like that back in the eighties that were that were out of Tiger Stadium that were. But then you know I did other games that was there was a there was pay per view back at that time. There were various pay per view deals that sprung up before ESPN really came in and took up everything. We go to Mitch Barnhart. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic here job. A long, long time. I yeah, mean, probably more. You know, and you, you know, he's probably outlived. He's up there uh, right close. I think he passes Cliff this year. Does he? Cliff was here from I think seventy five to ninety, mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. fifteen years. Um I admire Mitch, you know, tough tough decisions. And uh, he got he got some really tough whips from the media when he first got here. Remember yeah. the old yeah. Ditch Mitch and yeah. Rich and those are bumper stickers. Yeah, those are hard things uh, to go through. You know, the Rich. Uh, I remember the criticism that he took on for the Rich Brooks decision. And you know, of course, you know, I mean, you know, there there are fans that out there that won't let that won't let the Billy Gillespie thing alone. They just you know. I, I've always I've always believed one Oscar that you you know you leave those things in the past, and I I don't you know harbor any uh, bad feelings, but uh, I think Mitch has made a lot of difficult decisions, and has provided just just outstanding leadership through difficult times. You look at what's going on 
in some of these other schools. I mean, it's it's his inner circle friends were very very small. Yeah, at the beginning, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he had to have a great great deal of confidence in himself Mm -hmm. to withstand some of that early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember when uh, Dr. Capilouto was hired, there were a lot Mm -hmm. of people who were saying that. He had two years to get rid of Mitch, mm. and uh, you've seen they've become pretty much bonded at the hilt now. Right. Yeah. I think there's I think there's a pretty strong bond there, and uh, it's it's not easy when you first come in as an outsider. I think when I came in here, I was probably too young to. <laughs> I was I was too young and stupid. You, your your re- hair looked too good. <laughs> I was too young and stupid to realize that. But it's not easy as a, a person who's uh, an outsider and trying to take on such a monumental, monumental job. I mean, it's 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 very difficult. And he's he's been outstanding with it. And particularly with the comparisons that were made of him with the other school down the interstate over the last 10, 12 years. Yes. And then without getting into a lot of detail, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you, mm-hmm. you you come to that and you say, you know. Yeah, you stay the, you stay you the stay course. course. You stay the course. That's exactly the, that's exactly the words I was, I was going to use. You stay the course, and uh, over the long run, it, it pays dividends for you. Let's go through the years, 77 mm-hmm. up through now. 77... Uh, to 85, yeah. Joe B. Hall, Joe. basketball. Mm-hmm. What do you remember most? Uh, well, you know, looking back on it from, from this end, I'm always so thankful that Joe was the coach here when I came here. Be, because from a personal standpoint, Oscar, I felt like I was a part of it. And I'll always be indebted to him uh, for that. I had no idea coming here in 77, the kind of pressure that, that Joe was under. He was under extreme pressure. And uh, and that 77 run in the tournament was oh, ample proof of it. Yes, it was hard. And then all, you know, I mean, we could sit here and talk about 78 forever. And uh, We got to spend at least a couple <laughs> minutes on Florida uh, State and Kentucky at Stokely oh, and Knoxville. Yes, yes. And going now, with the Now, be honest, being honest, were you one of those there at halftime saying, has he lost his mind? Yeah, <laughs> I probably, I probably, I, you know, I, I probably wondered, uh, wow, how, how is this all going to turn out? There's so much. Bench so three much starters. Time. Yes, put the starters on the bench and, uh, you know. And would you have ever dreamed that night? They come back and win. And one of those little bench warmers that he put in there at the halftime. Uh-huh. Is now a multimillionaire yes, coaching the Toronto Raptors. Raptors. Yeah, Dwayne Casey, what a story that is. Oh. That's that's been absolutely incredible. Everything that Dwayne went through, but uh, yeah, the contribution that he made in that game against Florida State and to to come back uh, in that game and then to to win to win the game in Dayton. That was a pressure cooker of a game. The game against after the game in December. Yeah, right. In yeah. Bloomington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you're talking about, we're talking about Michigan State now. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. Indiana in 75. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. yeah uh, you're right. Michigan State. Yeah. And I think, was it Central Michigan the first game or Miami? Oh, well, Miami. Okay. Yeah, Miami. Yeah. Um, 
the, the Michigan State game was uh, with Magic Johnson was a pressure cooker. And then, the, you know, the game against Arkansas was a very close, tense game. Arkansas, thing I remember, Arkansas missed a lot of free throws. And whoever would have thought then, you know, there's Eddie Sutton on that Arkansas bench, Oscar. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, the, the, the Duke game wasn't as, as intense as those, but it was a, it was a pressure, pressure packed year. That may have not hmm. been a win that night if Jack hadn't just been on fire. Yeah, it took, uh, he had a, he had a fantastic game. Uh, yeah, he lit it up. He'd had a really good game against Arkansas, too. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how many he had against Arkansas, probably 23 or 24. Shot the ball pretty good. But it was it was just a, a Cinderella. It was it was an incredible I remember performance. Even in winning mm -hmm. the championship less than 24 hours later, there was a New York sports writer taking shots mm -hmm. at Kentucky on a so-called death threat. To Gene Banks before the game. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I have faint memories of that. Uh, Gene Banks was a good player, player that Joe wanted. Yes, I remember seeing him play in the Derby yeah. Classic yes. over in Freedom Hall. Outstanding player. Never really did anything in the pros, but. Uh, uh, and then, of course, you had a couple of things that happened. The next three or four years. First of all, the the very sad, sad ending of Dwight Anderson and how yeah. that happened. Yeah, and then you had Sam Bowie come in and had to miss mm -hmm. two years, mm -hmm. and it just seems like everything was going against you at that point. Well, yeah, it was. It got very hard for Joe. Of course, you had the next season. You had the NIT season, but then you know, it, Oscar. It just became so tough in the postseason. You know, it, I mean, it, in, in nineteen eighty, it was Duke. In nineteen eighty one, it was UAB. 19, in 1981, it was UAB. 1982, it was it was the game, the Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee in Nashville. Uh, 83, then it was a dream game, and they were so close. But you know, they were probably fortunate that game because they were a big underdog. Yeah, and took it to overtime. They were, yeah, they were an under, they were an underdog against Indiana, I think, on Thursday night. Yes, but they, they were. They beat Indiana. So a lot of people didn't think they were going to do that. It was also tough in the SEC tournament. Because they weren't able to win the SEC tournament until Kenny Walker shot That's in '84 right. in Nashville, and that but, was the sixth year. Yes, yes, and they, they had started in '79. They had six different yes. SEC champions the first yes. six years. And I remember the loss to uh, the losses in Birmingham to I remember the one to Florida, Tennessee I, in Birmingham. Yes, yeah, lost to Vanderbilt. That was one. That was Sam's. Sam. Well, I think. Yeah. Uh, was that Jones last year? No, that no, that was that would have been when Sam was one okay. of maybe maybe Bowie's um, Joe's last year. I think I think they they did lose in '85 and they were on the ropes there to get into the NCAA, right. but then yes. they did and yeah. one ended up winning two NCAA games. But it was the the postseason was just so uh, it was it was. Uh, it was such a struggle, and you you mentioned what Sam went through to to miss not one, but two seasons, and the uncertainty of of what his future would be, and then he did come back there in '84, and they they put it all together in in '84 and got through the the regional final with Illinois to 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 make it to the final four, and I know 
I know that the Georgetown Georgetown game, how that ended, was not a good memory. But Joe did, you know, did get him to the Final Four, and then ended up coaching one more season. And one of his better coaching jobs was probably that last year, because yeah. he upset two teams in a tournament. Yeah, I First remember Washington and yes. then UNLV. UNLV and Washington. Did won. you? Were yes. You, were you at that tournament? I was in. Yes, I was in Salt Lake City, and do you I was there. Do you yes, remember absolutely. what happened in one of those games? Well, now you have to refresh my memory on that. Arkansas was playing there. Mm-hmm. And that was the night that Eddie Sutton stomped up, got up, threw his jacket out, and went up in the stands and sat in the stands. <laughs> I did. And little did we know, <laughs> I, little did we know, two weeks later, uh, he would be the head coach in Kentucky. I, yeah, that I do not recall. But, you know, now that you it, bring it, it, it up. It didn't mention – nobody – it didn't mean anything that, at the time. That Now that you – uh, yeah, yeah. That's and the reason I remember it, there were two level of press seats on the side of the floor, mm-hmm. and I was sitting in the second row. And he comes running up the stairs <laughs> right by me, and I turn and look. He takes about three and just sits down, crosses his legs. <laughs> Little did we know. That's uh, that's a fantastic story. Well, and, uh, let's switch over to the other side yeah. now and go football, football. with Fran Kersey. Yeah, from seventy three to eighty one. Yeah, and I came here when. Uh, after Fran had won the Peach Bowl and was right at the doorstep of the ten and one season, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the thing that that I coming in here in '77 and and being with, of course, being with Joe on basketball side, I I had never had any experience, Oscar, with egos. I had none. I mean, I had known high school coaches and small college coaches mostly, but as far as big time egos. Was I ever in for a surprise? And uh, Fran was was probably the first. Now, Joe didn't Joe didn't have the big ego, but but Fran did. Uh, and uh, you know he could have been he could have been a politician. Maybe he should have been a politician. You know, I say to this day, if Fran had been at a quote football school, an Auburn or a Georgia or an Alabama, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. he probably would coach for twenty twenty five years. Yeah. Definitely could because have coached a he lot was a, he was a CEO type person. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's what you got to be as coach. But mm-hmm. other than that one crop of seniors or that two year crop, he didn't have the talent here to win. No, he he did not. And of course, he had the two the two great players, uh, one on each side of the ball. There, Derek Derek Ramsey on one side, Art on the other. Art still on the other. They were they were tremendous. I wasn't here for Warren Bryant. Warren yeah, Gr- Warren left a year before you. He got left there. his last year was the Peach Bowl team, but they were tremendous. To imagine going into Athens and winning thirty-three to nothing. David Fedrowski was one of my all-time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there were there were a lot of uh, a lot of good players. Mike Zaganos from that. I, I don't know if he was quite back that far, but there were a lot of good good players. And Fran, you know, Fran always said, you know, with the probation. The recruitings, and of course they had to watch it pretty closely. Uh, and and, and the, when they the, had to watch it, of course, yeah. when they go get in the play. Yeah. yeah. What What do you remember most in just a couple three sentences Distance. about the end and the George Allen factor into it? Well, that was. Uh, I remember your story. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that really well. Uh, and Fran was, you know, uh, you came out with a story, and John, the fact that John Y wanted to. John Y. Brown. Who was governor to time. Yes, he was governor, yeah. And ironically, he's the guy who got him here to start with. Yeah. 
Fran went absolutely uh, nuts. And I know, I know you, you have a better memory of it than I did. The thing about it from my standpoint was, for, this was down to 1981 now, and, and this is back when the coaches signed individual contracts with the TV stations. Yeah, the, the yes. university wasn't on the hook. So he couldn't come to a deal with WKYT. I've forgotten that one. And he signed yes. with the ABC. He signed with WTVQ, which might have still yes. been Channel 62 at that time. It's Channel right. 36 right. now. He signed. And, uh, of course, we announced, well, we're still going to do a half-hour football show with me and Charlie McCullers. So I was <laughs> on the hook as far as Fran was concerned. So that made it difficult for you to have any made kind it, of relationship with Made it with difficult. <laughs> Fran did not talk to me. Fran, now, we could talk to players, uh, but he did not speak to me, Oscar, until the week of the Georgia game. Now, they always played LSU. They played LSU in Georgia in October. Played LSU first and then Georgia. So this was probably the third week of October, 1981. And there was no coaches' news conference at that time. You just came out to the practice and waited for him to come out the back door of the Shively Center and talk to who you want to. So I went over there the week of the Georgia game, and this was probably Tuesday. And he was as nice as he could be to me. And you want to do an interview? Sure. Sure. Uh, was just treated me fantastic. And everything had completely it completely uh, changed, but was that his last year? This was the this was eighty one. Yeah, yeah, and they they of course they what they was, were in the midst of a losing streak at that time. Yeah. They finally broke it at Vanderbilt. What was the company line as to why they couldn't get the contract going for him? Oh, to be wow, there? I don't know if there really was much of a company line other than that they couldn't come to terms. Uh, Fran, I think, was a good negotiator. Maybe he was asking for a two-year contract. It might have been. Knowing that he was going to get fired so he could get an extra that it paycheck. Was, it was definitely, things were definitely on the ropes going into that season. And he could have, you know, they lost some of those unexplainable games. I'll never forget the one at, the one out at, I, the one out at uh, I think they, out at uh, Kansas with a fumble there in Lawrence right at the end. And, and they had a, ch a shot against Alabama mm -hmm. here at Commonwealth Stadium. Um, but, you know, it just uh, – they lost some close games the year before. One was to LSU where Alan, Alan Richard was quarterback and LSU scored right down at the end. Georgia kicked a field goal through the uprights one of those years to beat them. But I think it was just uh, – you know, it, yeah, it was, it was just the fact that he feared that uh, – he feared that it was was just about over, and may very well have been looking for a for a two year contract. But he was a good negotiator; was probably responsible for coaches getting a little more money here. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, I've always. And in fact, I think that Joe yeah, Hall yeah. used his contract to negotiate his own negotiate yeah. his own with Ralph. Yeah, and Ralph said, "How much do you want?" And Joe said, "Well, just pay me what you're paying friend." And I don't think that's what Ralph wanted to hear because probably not. Joe knew that he was a good negotiator. Yeah, but uh, uh, Fran had a Fran had an ego, and it was sad. Uh, it was you know it it that was the first kind of like death march that that I ever went through with a coach. 
and it was hard. And I was going to go through some others, whether it be in football or basketball on down the road. And those darn things are not easy. Let, let's continue on that side with Jerry Claiborne yeah. coming in in 82 to 89. And it, it seemed to be that Dr. Singletary was somewhat embarrassed with the end of the cursed era. And so he sort of went to the extremist. We got to make sure this guy comes in, has no skeletons in his closet. Right. And of course, Jerry Claiborne then being an ex player, right. had tremendous success at both Virginia Tech and Maryland. Yes, he'd done very uh, well at Maryland, was old school. He, he liked to, he old school, he liked meeting. Mm. Like meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget, he'd been here three or four years, and I was in his office one day, and he'd come out to his secretary, and he said, I need to buy Faye a Christmas present. I need to get something at the Fayette Mall. How do I get to Fayette Mall? <laughs> I mean, he's two wow. miles away on Nicholas Hill right. Road. Had been here five years <laughs> and didn't know where to get. So all he wanted to do was coach and meet. Yes, Jerry was uh, Jerry was old school. He not only had uh, coached under the bear, but he had played under the bear. So he was he was old school. I think it it had to. Now he he got it he got it going you know after the the first season that went winless o ten and one five six then six five. yeah yeah then went uh yeah went, but now the ironic thing is then went it actually yeah it had a eight yeah, four yeah went nine and nine and including the bowl win against Wisconsin went nine and four went six and six and six with the loss well, in the I bowl game. I think it was nine and three. Nine and yeah, yeah, nine and three. Oh, they got a forfeit right. from Mississippi right. State. Right, yeah. Well nine and three and play, you only played eleven games back then. Yeah. But yeah, they uh and the ironic got, thing with that though, most of the seniors on that team was the last group well that friend Kersey that's recruited. I will always I'll always remember some players. Yeah, and you're uh, uh yeah, there was a linebacker's name uh Escapes me who went down and played those uh, seasons with Houston, but I always remember the Jacobs brothers. Cam Jacobs was uh, a heck of a player. Who mm-hmm. who Fran? They were from the Miami area. Um, I can't remember the linebacker's name who who died tragically with a gun accident. Played all those years with the Oilers. Uh, John, uh, it's right on the tip of my John. John. But maybe I'll think of it as we go along here. But you're right, that Oscar. That was back here in the era of George Adams, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, George uh, George was probably a freshman on the 82 team. Yeah, Jerry had uh, John Grimsley, who we're trying to think yes, of. Yes, yes. Jerry had he had good players, and he re- recruited players like, like John Adams and, and Mark Higgs and uh, Mark Logan and uh, – Dermonte Dawson was another one. And so many of these kids, you know, these are in-state kids. These are good football players. But he could never really get and, – and, and then it, it got to be so frustrating in – after the the 9-3, and three, uh, you know, to go either 6-5 and five or 5-5-1 five, five and one the rest of the way. I think it, it – well, I know it did. I know it hurt It hurt Coach Claiborne a lot. The, the fact that he could never bring it around. They only played six SEC games. But back then, you didn't have cupcakes non-conference. You played West Virginia. Yeah. You would play South Carolina. Yeah. Or you'd play Clemson. Yeah. And it started, yeah. He, well, yeah, he had uh, – yeah, Kansas, Kansas State. Yeah, Kansas State. Uh, you know, of course, going back to when Fran was still there, they had the series with Oklahoma. But you're right, those were those – were, there was a series in there with Penn it State. There was also a couple to Virginia uh, Tech that yeah. really hurt him. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember a game in the rain at Virginia Tech where the field goal went between the uprights right at the end, and they lost at Virginia Tech. Um, and gradually the schedule started to ease up a little bit, but you're right. Playing schools like West Virginia uh, and schools from what would today be other Power Five conferences it was it was uh, it was not easy. Maybe to maybe to draw some more fans here in this day and age, they might have to go back to one of those. <laughs> Let's switch back over to basketball. Yeah. Uh, Joe hangs it up in Denver, yeah. Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were one of the first people, if I remember right, that broke that story. Yeah, I going out there, going out there to Denver. I was so glad that. Joe was. It had been a. It had been a struggle of a year. The last, we're, we're talking. You know, uh, this is eighty four, eighty five now. Is what turned out to be his last year. But I remember the media asking Joe about, what if, what if you have a losing record? That was one of the questions that came along as he talked to the media before practice. You know, what about the possibility of a losing season? That's before and, the season. Yes, this is this is during the season. And Joe, I tell you, after the loss in the SEC tournament, he was really – he didn't know whether he was going to get a bid or not. And I, I remember I told him because he came out to the station to do a segment with me for the coaches show and do some other things. I told him, Joe, you're going to get – you're going to get in. You're going to get in. They did, and they got to play uh, – you know, they won those two games with in Salt Lake. But I remember going to Denver. I, I, I It wasn't on my radar that – this was going to be the end. But the morning of the game, this would have been the regional semifinal. I, I had breakfast down in the coffee shop at the hotel there, and there was an, there was an individual that simply told me if they lose That was to- with the traveling party. Yes. yes. If they lose tonight, yeah. this is it. And... Just, so that, I, I bumped into you an hour or so later there in yeah. the lobby. And, yeah, I, I think yeah. I remember seeing you. And, yeah. uh, you know, there were a lot of people who, who thought that Brad Davis told me, who was, yes, in the sports information staff, I guess, at that time. Uh, but, no, it, it wasn't Brad. It was it was, a, it was, it was someone else. And, uh, I mean, I, I was I was able to, to get it confirmed well enough that we went with it that night on the air. Now – Unlike normal road games, the team didn't fly back after the game that night. They stayed till the next morning. Yeah, we flew back the next morning from yes. Denver. Yeah. There was a late, late, late night powwow up on the top floor of the hotel. Were you in that room with the rest I, of us? I was I was not. I don't believe that I was. I, I remember the whole scene. Uh, this is after the game when Joe announced his retirement on the air. On the air, yes. On the air, Kaywood, yeah, he announced it uh, yeah. talking to Kaywood. And I remember us videotaping that. We were into videotape by that time, of course, and I remember shooting all that. But I don't know. I don't remember. Singletary had a group of people up there, and it began to swell. Mm-hmm. Somebody say, are you going up? And I well, what's going on? Well, Dr. Singletary is having. So everybody just, I mean, there were probably 15, 18 people. Mm-hmm. And the subject come back, well, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember yeah. Billy Reed was one that was there. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Billy Reed made the suggestion, or not the suggestion, made the comment, well, what about Eddie Sutton? 
Mm-hmm. And Dr. Singleton pointed out real quickly, you guys don't know the whole story on Eddie Sutton. Mm-hmm. He will not be a factor. He will not be the next coach at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And that was after, if you remember, early in the SEC regular season in January, Sonny Smith announced he was going to step down at the end of the year because mm-hmm. he was on I the do hot remember spot. that. I do remember And then that. he got on a winning streak and won a couple games in the tournament Mm-hmm. and decided he was going to stay, and he did. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of that, Eddie Sutton had called the chancellor at Auburn, who had been a vice chancellor at Arkansas and a friend of his. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, he says, I want to go for the job. This is after Sonny had announced he was stepping down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I don't think you want to come here. You're just going from one football school to another. So anyway, at the end of the day – Eddie gets him to send him a letter saying he's interested. So then Eddie takes it in to Frank Broyles mm-hmm. and say, hey, Auburn is interested in me here. You know, let's talk some. Yeah. So he calls up the chancellor, who's also a friend of his, and the chancellor says, hey, Frank, listen, I didn't call him. He called me. <laughs> and Doc Singer was telling the story there. Yeah, wow. And that's why Eddie Sutton was not going to be on the list. Of course, you know change. what all happened that weekend and ended up being Eddie Sutton. Well, yeah, and you know you're more deeply into that, Oscar, than I am, what all the circumstances were uh, surrounding that. But I always, I always admired Eddie from the standpoint that he really wanted the job. I always, always admired that. I remember how he wore the blue golf shirt at the golf mm-hmm. tournament out at the Marriott, and and he he, he was a good man. He yes. had a terrible disease, yeah, but he he was a good man. He uh, he wanted the job, and I think Eddie Eddie understood the magnitude of it, how how big the Kentucky job was. He understood that, and he was willing to strap the darn thing on his back like a putting a refrigerator on your back and running with it. So I always, uh, always admired him from that standpoint. He's excellent, you know, remember him as an excellent basketball coach. Great X and O's. Yeah. Like you, uh, like you said many times, if you, if you gave him a good inside person and a good outside person, he was, he was going to do pretty well. That was certainly true the first year with, with Kenny Walker Mm. and with Roger in the backcourt and uh, had a, Incredible season. Um, uh, I, I, another thing I admire about Eddie, he welcomed the the, the three pointer. He, uh, of course, he had Rex, so it's pretty good pretty good time to be going to the three pointer. But he coached it. He understood that you know things have changed now. It's different. Whereas Bob Knight fought it. He didn't like it. But Eddie, uh, I always admired that about Eddie. It was. You know, the whole, I mean, I know we can't rehash the whole story about what happened and, you know, the investigation and everything. It was it was hard to go through that. He but just I, missed so much time away from the gym during those bouts, you know, when he spent uh, mm-hmm. three or four days out west on, yeah. in a rehab and yeah. just sort of lost control, which most people will if they've had that disease yeah. and is battling at the time. But I, I remember mm-hmm. uh, writing a column that most coaches would consider negative because it wasn't positive. Right. And yeah. yet you could walk in there the next day and he's like, hey, let's go grab a bite to eat. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever been around a coach that could forgive that quickly. No. Even if he was wrong. Right. 
You right. Know? And You're right. That was Eddie. I mean, you yeah. know, he. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'll never remember and this sort of involved because at the time Earl Cox and I was doing a, mm-hmm. a show at eighteen, mm-hmm. and Earl comes up to us and he said, "Let's get Eddie to cut a promo for us." Mm-hmm. And I said, "No, Earl. I mean, he's got his show over at twenty-seven. He can't do that." Right. Well, let's just ask him anyway. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, I, 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 "That'd be imposing upon me, mm-hmm. even if he did it." Well, he proceeds to go over and ask him, and you know what Eddie does? Mm-hmm. He said, "Where's camera?" At? Mm-hmm. And he sat down and he cut the promo. <laughs> and I, I went to I think it was Brad, mm-hmm. and I told Brad what happened. Yeah. And so I wait, said, wait till Ralph Gabbard finds out about it. I said, well, I said, listen, Brad, have somebody call Earl. I can't fight this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Call Earl and explain to him. Once Earl understands the business aspect of it. Which I'm sure Ralph Gabbard, the general manager and, at WKYT, was more than. Well, no, uh, I, didn't, I didn't want 27 to call. Uh-huh. That was, I wanted somebody from the UK. I got you. So, oh, okay. Uh, James Dickey called him. Oh, I see. And James called him. He said, well, okay. Well, James. And yeah. Earl says, well, I told you he'd do it, didn't I? <laughs> and I said, yeah, but I said, that's Eddie for you. So, I well, mean, I, I sent him a, a note just a couple mm-hmm. of days ago. Did you? Uh, Eddie uh, and. You know, he's not in the best of health right now. I know. But yeah. he was and is a good man. He is a good man. Uh, as far as the alcoholism is concerned, Oscar, that that never came into play as far as what I did with him. There, there, there was only one, one occasion. Um... um on a morning, and I was with Eddie Sutton on a lot of Sunday mornings uh, through throughout four years, uh, and it was it was uh, the second season, which was a hard season. But uh, as far as what you know, what 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 I had to get done with with Eddie got done, and you know, and it it was done and done well. There were several, uh, maybe I shouldn't say several, but more than just five or six situations that happened here that yes. most of us knew about that were, to yes. some point. That were, yes, uh, I'm not, yeah, absolutely, there and, were. Uh, there were. You know, that it, people, it, it people was scary. Would, that, people would call me about. Yes. That I would get a call uh, the next day. One of, well, I think another one that was, was that second year was after the Alabama game uh, in Rupp Arena. Uh, people called me the next day about about an incident, but uh, there, yes, there were there were those, and there, yeah, things were things were were talked about, and uh, you know he he battled it. Uh, he came after he, he departed here. You know he came back and went on to you know go to the final four. I mean, it's remarkable. Yes, what he it's remarkable what the man did. Well, um, I, I think it's. Uh... It's it's a situation where most people that suffer that kind of disease are not able to come back and have the success he had after he left here, and then he had some acute pain uh, from medicine his lifetime. But again, I mean, to me, he was he was a very good person. I think he would have been a great coach. I don't know if he'd been battling this. That much before he came to Kentucky, there were reports that he had been battling it in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But you're right. He had a brilliant mind for basketball. Had a big heart. Yeah, very, very big heart. And uh, um, went went through a lot. And uh, I hate to... Hate to, hate to think, you know, that, that uh, at the end of life here, you know, that it has become a struggle the way it, the way it has been. Yeah. Lost his wife earlier. Yes. Mm-hmm. She was his rock of Gibraltar for him throughout all those years. And, uh, you know, our thoughts is with Scott and Sean. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to football. Uh, in 90, Bill Curry comes. That's right. Yeah, Bill. Bill came in and um, had pretty much been playing for a national championship two days before he took the job here. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I guess we found out very quickly that it's talent that wins more so than coaching. Yeah, turned out to yeah turned out to be a whole yeah a whole lot different deal coaching at Kentucky, and it was it was too much it was too much for him. Went on for six years. It's a long time. Could never really get it together as far as having, other than the one season that they went to the Peach Bowl, having both good offense and good defense. I mean, there was uh, outside yeah. 92, there was really no progress in overall right. team development. And yeah. it's last year. Yeah. He's got Tim Couch, and that was just sort of the. Yeah. Unfortunately, he had brought Elliot Uslet from Colorado. Yeah. When Bill McCartney had just retired, yeah, and boy, that was mixing oil and water, first class. Yeah, and I think that all really came to a head in the, in the game at uh, the home game here, where they we ran the option, where yeah. Tim ran the option in the game, and everybody said, "What? What is this?" But uh, you know, Bill Bill was a good man, uh, and I have a lot of good memories of of being around him. Um, a lot of people would, you know regard him as an elitist um, but I always had a good relationship with him and it admired him and uh, but it 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 just wasn't uh, it was just too much for him really to be able to come in here and to try to bring in the kind of players that you're going to have to have to win I wonder what he would say today if you could get him to open but looking back at it did you just make a terrible decision to come here Mm-hmm. Or for the first time, he didn't realize how impossible the situation was until after he'd been here a couple of years. You know, I think looking back on it, Oscar, there was a lot of optimism when he when he was coming. But you look at it right from the get go. Neither of the coordinators came here with him, so you could kind of tell right there. Whoa, I can't remember who the coordinators were yeah. in Alabama, but neither. Neither right. one came. I think the key man he brought with him was maybe Tommy Limbaugh. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy's a good man. Yes. Uh, good man. But again, it, 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 it was a situation where it was going to come down to recruiting, you know, having a good quarterback. Uh, it, it just – and he had some, he had some good, good players here and there, like Marty Moore certainly was one of the very best linebacker and. uh you know, Pookie Jones, you recruited Pookie Jones, a quarterback, but uh, it really became a struggle. And in and, and this day and age, it would never carry on for six years. Um, Bill went on to do the games on ESPN. 
And I remember he said to me, I, I spoke with him in the, the press box uh, one night. He was there for a night game. And then we got done, he said, thanks for speaking. And I thought, oh, gosh, well, Bill, sure, you know. I mean, I'd hate to, you know, I, I hate to think that, you know, you feel that, that people feel that way or, or that was the feeling that he, he got from people. But um, it's hard. Uh, that was another one of those, you know, I talked about coaches going downhill and going through those, those times. Those are, those are definitely some of the toughest times. And it, it was with him just like it was with Fran or just like it was with, with Eddie Sutton as, as, that, as that thing went downhill in, in 89. Uh, it's, it was just hard. We come back over to the mm -hmm. basketball side and Rick Pitino arrives in town. <laughs> yeah, talk about egos. <laughs> I, uh, Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, it was, you know, it was like, uh, it was different. Uh, it was a, he was a king size, king size ego who um, was different to deal with than anyone that I had ever dealt with before. And uh, would he, difficult be a proper word? Yeah, could could be. Um, the thing about Rick was, here's here's one thing that I'll always. Uh, remember about him in, in uh, 1993 at the Final Four after they lost to uh, Michigan. Uh, we had to do some stuff for the coaches show. And he had just finished spending all this time in the locker room with all these big name writers. And he just walked away from me. Just turned around, I'll never forget, looking at his back as he walked away in the Superdome. Just, uh, you, got, you got enough stuff. So putting a show together that night, which was hard, Ralph, Ralph Hacker, we, we, we put a coach's show together with stuff off the podium and locker room interviews. But then, you know, a few years later in 96, this is three years later, we're, we're going to uh, tape before we went to Dallas where the NCAA tournament was going to open. They had started in Dallas. Right. This was the final four run in 96. And... Uh, we we're going to tape at the station, and I, I was on a commercial flight late that afternoon, and he's late, and finally he gets there. So he sits down, you know, very casually with his legs crossed on the set, and uh, uh, he said to me, uh, how are you going to get down there? And I said, well, I've got a, I've got a plane to catch here, and, you know, such that time. And without missing a beat, he says to me, he says to me, well, if you don't make it, you can go with us. Just, <laughs> just like that. Yeah. Without missing a beat. Because they were going they were they had a charter that they were gonna go on, but I wasn't on the charter. Right. But that was how uh, you know, you know, it kind of brought back some memory at the day. But you know, things with Rick kind of brought back some memories of what it was like with Fran. because uh, Fran was a, a big ego person but uh there was one coach and you will remember this i don't and maybe you can help me with it there was one coach who called up once and said he didn't know how to get out to the station who was that do you remember that <laughs> well that that now let's see that, it was i mean he'd been doing it for several had been doing it for several years well for been uh, i won't know several Billy, years but several Billy, Billy, I don't, this wasn't Billy. It wasn't no, Billy this was, Gillespie. This was before Billy. 
I want to say it was Rick, but that I might, might be have, wrong. Yeah, it might have been Rick. But I'll tell you this. He did come out to the station yeah. with few exceptions. Um, with very few exceptions. Of course, that was a different time back then. But he did. And uh, things uh, got done. Um, I can remember after a loss the first season in December, I can't remember who they lost to in Rupp Arena, but they lost. And uh, I would usually say to the coach, you know, I remember tomorrow morning, you know, 8, eight or 8.30, you know, whatever time we were taping in the morning. And he just said to me, Rob, we're practicing at 8.30. <laughs> so, uh, well, I guess we better work on a different time. Uh, we worked it out. I can't remember whether he came earlier or later. Um, might have been earlier. Might have been very early, as a matter of fact. But uh, it it got done. But it was a it was an experience. He was a, it was a, did an incredible job. Tell me uh, a little bit about the weekend of his last year up in San Jose. The Derek Anderson story. Do you remember anything? Well, particularly I, about him going up to San Francisco for an examination. I do not recall that. What I remember best, and if you want to go ahead and relate that story, um, what I remember is them practicing at the University of San Francisco Catholic School uh, where they went to practice. And I remember Derek Anderson flying up and down the court and being in a full sweat, just full go. That's what I remember. Well, supposedly he went to a specialist there. Mm -hmm. Some of the other guys talked Rick and, well, just get him checked out. And supposedly he went there and they came back and whoever took him there for Rick said, doctor said he can't do anything that caused him any further damage. But he still didn't play. Mm -hmm. Except for the no time on the clock free throws. Right. <laughs> well, uh, Derek Anderson was a, a tremendous talent, and that'll always be one of the yeah. What do you remember of the mysteries of, of uh, that season? What do you remember about the? I won't say days because it would just sort of bam, bam when it came out. Rick leaving for Boston. How did y'all cover that? Did you have any advance warning or mm. notice? You know, the way I remember it, we did we did not have any kind of an advance warning like uh, we did, uh, like fortunately I did with Coach Hall. Um, fortunately, I did with, with Tubby. Uh, it's, a, it's a little hard to remember exactly how those uh, events went down and how CM handled it all. Uh, I always remember Patino in the locker room there in Indianapolis saying how uh, he was happy for, you know, he didn't win, but he was still happy for Lou Olson. And, you know, in just a few months, it'll start up all over again and we'll do it all over again. But that didn't turn out to be. It did. It just wasn't yeah, right. <laughs> It did stay out. You're right. It was not with, it was not with Patino, but I'll always remember that that comment. And of course, Tubby comes in. Yeah, it's uh, you don't. It's not, not like the hiring of any other coaches. Mm -hmm. They made. I mean, it's just a boom. Tubby Smith is coach. Yeah, CM calling it a it was, it was a no brainer. 
and uh, Tubby uh, Tubby did a he did a good job, Oscar. He did a good job. He was a, he was a great friend. Uh, I think you know I'll, it was probably the, as far as the friends I had as far as coaches. He was probably the best. Probably the best. Um, we had a good relationship. Um, he just had those three seasons where it just step didn't, away. Yeah, yeah. The the loss. I can't remember exactly what the order was. The loss to UAB in Columbus, the 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 Michigan State game, the Patrick Sparks, and all that that went on in Austin, Texas. And then the loss to Marquette. Yes, the one, the one where they got Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade just took over. Dwayne Wade went nuts at Bogus the Metro. Had a sprained ankle. Right, the sprained ankle in the Wisconsin game before that. There were those three years. Something had to happen one of those years, and it didn't. I think his second year, when they lost him, you know, they were in the regional final that year. Lost That's to right. Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Mich- Michigan State was better. And then Michigan State won it the next year after the Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. They ended up going to the Final Four, which I think was in St. Pete. And then they they were yes. they were good. But you had those three seasons that I pointed out. Something had to, something had to happen one or two of those years, and it didn't. And then it simply got to a point. I remember the last game in Chicago, the the Kansas game. And it was like, you know, Kansas was this slick Ferrari with these young players going up and down the court. And Kentucky was kind of laboring, kind of like a, a jalopy. And, Joe, and you had a freshman in the driver's seat. Jody Meeks was trying to run it. And that's the point that it had gotten to uh, in the game in the United Center. And three days later, it was over. I think it was after the 2003 season, maybe Keith Bogans' last year, mm-hmm. when at the postseason press conference, he said it's important we got to get back to the final. Four. Yeah, right, yeah. And then three years later, yeah. it's like he's starting to think, you know, I need to do what's best for both of us. Yeah. Meaning the school and himself. Yeah. I think I think that it had, it had run its course. Do you think he it, had made that decision – Earlier, before he actually went to Minnesota, maybe earlier in the season, and said, I'm going to give it my best, but I think it's time, or do you think that decision was made just before he went to Minnesota? Mm, good question. Honestly, Oscar, I I don't know. I, I remember how hard the season, the last season became. I'll never forget a game there in February at Memorial Gym in Nashville that they had led the whole way. Uh, and, uh, you know, lost it there right at the end uh, on a put back on a missed free throw and an and one. Hard loss. Vanderbilt had not lost at home all season. Things I think things had gotten really tough on him. Uh, but whether exactly where he – I know there was a meeting, you know, Monday, Monday night after they got back. I think the last game was on a uh, – a Sunday, well, it was a Sunday. Um, but I, I, I can't really say whether you know whether he had become resigned to it as we went along there uh, uh, or not. 
when you first got the word, I think most of us got it down at the state tournament. Yeah. That afternoon. That was uh, uh, that was kind of you know I hadn't been able to go to too many state tournament games down through the years because Kentucky was always playing in the NCAA. But I was at the state tournament when word hit me. And he was literally down there on the court less than 30 minutes before he was getting on that plane going to Minnesota. Yeah. Sitting there talking to Bill Kitely. Yeah. We were tipped off. We were tipped off that uh, that he was going to go. So we went out to Tack Air, I think is, mm-hmm. is what the private. Yes. Uh, so ran out there with a camera and uh, there was a plane that landed. It was not marked. It was a jet. There were about eight or nine people that got off of it. And uh, I didn't know who they were. Uh, I didn't recognize any. This was the party from Minnesota. But then not too long after that, Tubby and Donna pulled up in a car, parked, and, and he was gone. And, uh, he what, gave, was your, what was your initial thoughts of that? I mean, it happened so quickly. It's not like anybody had 24 hours notice, or at least among right. the media people. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was shocking. You know, it, uh, and he had been a good friend. So I was going to miss him. I was going to miss him as much as anybody. He was, a, he was a good man and was always good to me, easy to work with. And uh, uh, it was a, I think when you have a change like that, when something comes up like that, it's a, it always kind of, it kind of grabs you. It, uh, because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't any indication that it, that it would be anything that would, that would, that would come that quickly. Then as you think about it and you look back on it, you look at how things had gone, well, you kind of think, well, yeah, it's, uh, you can kind of put two and two together and you can understand how it happened and how it happened fairly quickly. Same year that Tubby come on board, how Mummy come on board. Yeah, that was, that was a change. <laughs> Amazing thing about the Mummy years, Oscar. Uh, in the course of one season, he delivered exactly what the university wanted. Things were things were not good. Crowds were way down. The fans came back to the program. The expansion to the stadium went forward. That was what the university wanted, delivered. Uh, and he had Tim Couch to help him do it. <laughs> well, that was my next question. Which which one of the two? It's sort, it's sort of like, it's sort of like uh, the bench guy that played a game with Oscar Robinson. They combined for 82 points. Oscar got 81. He got one. <laughs> well, you know, he wouldn't have... Uh, he wouldn't have been able to do it without Tim, but uh, to help. And Craig Yeast yes. and a few others. Yeah, he had Yeast. He had a he had a good running back, uh, whose name right at the moment here. Anthony White. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, who's yes, uh, uh, and you know, in all fairness, you know, he had an offensive line, Oscar that 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 Bill Curry had had put had started to place together now. Hal used his offensive line as pass blockers more. Yeah, they weren't necessarily opening holes right. or going to the field. Right, right. But you look at the you look at the kids who were up there on the offensive line that year. They were veteran players. That that's interesting. 
You don't ever hear that mentioned no. anywhere, but it's it's an interesting. And the second year yeah. when that line was really good, they had that tragedy near the end of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jason Watts. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that was it. It was a tragedy. Uh, I'll never forget trying to do the coaches show that because uh, we taped us we taped Sunday afternoons at that time, but uh, that was that was a terribly terribly tragic situation. A hard thing to go forward from. But in the course of uh, not one season, but I guess it was two, two seasons, Hal, uh, Hal accomplished what, what the university wanted. First season, they were four and seven. And then you had, you know, the, the big year was the Outback Bowl year. Seven and four. Yeah, yes, uh, seven and four and went to the Outback Bowl. And uh, and then, you know, I, I Hal, uh, I think egos, you know, grew over there to un, unlimited proportions. And you had... You know, the way I saw it, Claude, Claude Bassett was pretty much running everything, including keeping people eligible. He was in charge of that, too. So there were a lot of problems. I mean, at one point there, I think the rumors were flying that Hal was going to have Claude run the defense. I mean, Hal was interested. Hal, it was a tremendous offensive mind. I think that's proven out. He was interested, though, in his – and his quarterback and his receiver. Looking back at the years, he was spending three to four more scholarships on offensive people than he were defense. And so if he missed yeah. two or three, anybody didn't make the offense, the two deep <laughs> on the chart went to defense. Yeah, right. And yeah. Mike Majors, yeah. he wasn't using right. chicken to make chicken right. salad. Yeah. And you had to have, you know, you had to have a defense. And then you had some internal struggles from coaches within the staff. Yeah, there were, there were those. Yeah. And then when he finally got to X, we'll just go ahead and go into Guy Morse, who mm-hmm. was rumored to maybe be leaving mm-hmm. his last year, he ended up being the interim coach. Right, and did well. Had and a, had a bad first year, but then he came back at seven, seven and five. five. Yeah, seven and five year. season. Could and, have uh, been eight and four. And, yeah. The game against LSU is one of the most stunning things of one of the most stunning things of my of my sports casting career. There's no question about that. But guy guy did well with it. They were on probation, so weren't going to go to a bowl. But he managed to parlay that into the game into the uh, the job at Baylor, and uh, was a head coach. And uh, you know, I'm now back here in Lexington with his his wife Jackie and. Uh, Fighting a, a battle with with uh, Alzheimer's, but the guy was just a just the two seasons. But it you know it'll always be remembered those mummy years and what what happened in that period as, as being uh, an interesting an interesting time for Kentucky football. And then sort of like when you were following up Kersey mm-hmm. with with Jerry Claiborne. Yeah, you were, you were following up mm-hmm. Guy Morse who. Sort of a bitter pill. Mitch had give him a raise in the middle of the year. And then mm-hmm. he came back and said, well, you're going to have to match this. And mm-hmm. he said, she said, and yeah. he leaves. Mm-hmm. And because of the probation mm-hmm. and the quick thing there, Mitch is finding himself in a position having a difficult time to hire a coach, much like Tennessee has recently. Yeah. And yes. I think he ends up that's calling a, Rich, saying, hey, yeah. help me, give me some advice. And finally, mm-hmm. Rich always mm-hmm. said, hey, yeah. I'm uh, available. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. That the, I think I think there are there is some comparison to be drawn there. 
And here was this man with uh, a wealth of experience, not just in the college ranks at Oregon, but also in the NFL. Atlanta and, Falcons. Yeah. And, and the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, right. And uh, the way I'll remember Rich Brooks, Oscar, is, um, you know, you, people – say, well, who's the best coach? Who's the best player? What's the best game? Or what's this or what's that? I'll always, I'll always remember Rich Brooks as uh, the most professional coach I ever dealt with. That's, that's how I'll, I'll always... Uh, I thought that he handled all the disciplinary situations extremely well. Not that there were... Oh, there were some, and you're always going to have some, some disciplinary situations, but the way he handled all that... The way he handled the media, the way he he kind of at the Monday news conferences would would come in with his stand-up comic act was always pretty good, which uh, you know some of the younger listeners will will have a memory of. Uh, that was always really good, and uh, you know, I thought there's a lot of similarities between him and Claiborne. Yeah, he had more, like you said, humor than Claiborne. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. He, but yeah. but they were sort of like. Favorite grandpa, or not yeah. your favorite, but like your grandfather. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was an extremely experienced person, and you know he he got down to about his last card, and then he but he won. You know he won a big game there at Mississippi State on the road and turned it around. And that was after that yeah. total disaster right. against LSU. LSU. Yeah, it was like the 30 to 32 to And then in 07, yeah. I guess, really was the high part. Yeah. I mean, he came out and he beat Louisville, which was mm-hmm. huge at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then he came back and beat LSU, which is mm-hmm. probably, mm-hmm. it may be the best game I've seen at Commonwealth Stadium. Yeah. I would say I would say yeah that you're right yeah the the beating beating number one LSU, team beating that LSU ultimately ended one. up being a national champion with two losses right that that was a that was a that was oh seven that was that was remarkable to think that you could beat the num- number one team in the country he accomplished that um, and then I think you know the year that they the year that they went to the Liberty Bowl you know they won that Liberty Bowl game but that was that was probably the height of it, I think after that, the last year, it had probably slipped some. I think he got tired mm-hmm. of waiting for facilities yeah. to be built. Yeah. And I think finally, the re- the recruiting the end, room this was, was just a few mm-hmm. couple years before SEC Network mm-hmm. starts being talked about. The recruiting room was one yeah. thing that he always, yeah, and uh but you know, it was a it was a fantastic run. I mean, he had an incredible career. Walked away from it, as uh, you know, the two homes now in in Oregon, the one down in Southern California, out in the Palm Springs area. And I enjoy looking at his tweets. Oh, every once raising in a while. his tomatoes, yeah. going right. fishing, playing golf. The pictures. I the bet pic- he's got more frequent flyer miles right. now the than pictures, he had when he was coaching. Uh, it's been it's been quite a life. <laughs> he, he was able to round it out by coming in here with some pretty good paychecks uh, in the latter years. Rob, we get to the uh, Joker Phillips era. He was a coach in waiting for yeah. a couple of three years. How do you remember that? Well, uh, you know, coach in waiting uh, really didn't work out, and it didn't work out other places around the country. And it's something that really doesn't exist anymore. The thing about Joker is he goes back so far, Oscar. He was recruited by Fran Kersey and came in here in 1981. 
and he was a Kentucky kid from the western part of the state, and uh, uh, I like Joker so much. Really good guy. Good. Yeah, really. And he was Kentucky through and through. Really good guy, and loved the school. And uh, of course, you know they wanted to maintain the the uh, the continuity of the staff and maintain the recruiting, but. The, the, you know, the problem was I, I think Joker really just wasn't a head coach is, is what it all boiled down to. And, uh, it seems, seems like the recruiting had fallen off a little bit the year he or two before he took over too. Yeah, I would, I would say so because I think things with uh, Coach Brooks reached reach their peak the season before that. I've got my years right, probably with with uh, the old seven year was a big year. Yeah, and then winning the winning the Liberty Bowl game, and and that kind of seemed to be the the peak of it. And then it 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 it, uh, it had kind of slipped off a little bit. So it was a tough situation to be in, really. But close. we gotta be forever indebted for one win during that three years. You know, I you know you talk about bizarre things and situations that happen, and that was certainly one of the most uh, bizarre to, to to have that kind of a streak against Tennessee. And and you know you can I you and I can remember uh, you know the, the the last couple of wins against them, the one in in Knoxville where they carried Jerry Claiborne off the field, and then the one in you know Fran's last game. Yes, when they carried him off. The that field. is correct. Carried him off the field. He wore the coat and tie that day. But, it, it, you know, it went back so far. And then to play a receiver. But I'll tell you, Oscar, that and, and, and beat Tennessee. But that's the thing about sports and what always kind of – I think that's one of the things that appeals to, to so many. You, you just don't know what's going to happen. The unknown. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're going to – and maybe it's true some in, in some sports than others, but you're going to see something that that never happened, whether it be uh, you know just a one play in a game or the outcome of a game as it was that afternoon uh, here in Lexington when when you know they finally beat Tennessee and uh, it his uh, you know tenure will be remembered for that game. Um, I know it had to hurt him uh, a lot. Uh, the Vanderbilt game, uh, the forty to nothing game, which uh, uh, I know, as he said afterwards, when he came out onto the field that day, you know, and saw the crowd, he knew that that it was the end. And uh, you know, unfortunately, it uh, was. But good guy, as you said, Oscar, and always going to have uh, good memories of of Joker Phillips, and uh, always, you know, ad- admire him and. Uh, everything that he went through. I thought he handled himself well uh, the final the final season because you look at the – it was pretty much lights out after the Western game when Western pulled off that play and beat him early in the season. The way it ended, football was at a very low ebb. But Mitch Barnhart is going to try to hit the home run. He goes through three or four names we heard circulating, whether they were true or not. We don't know, but one of the rumors were is that guy by the name of Butch Jones was ready to take the job, then all of a sudden it switched uh, to Mark Stoops right after Butch Jones took the Tennessee job. Now we're five years into Mark Stoops, and he's doing well, and Butch Jones is 
unemployed. Yeah, looking for a job. It's funny how the how things work yeah. out. Um, you know, the history uh, through the years, of course, Joker was a, a coordinator, but the history at Kentucky pretty much, Oscar, if you, you know, going all the way back to, um, I guess, you know, John Ray was a, was a coordinator. The history had been to hire a head coach. So uh, you go with a coordinator in Mark Stoops, but and and I'll tell you, you know, going into the going into the bowl game this year now, uh, he's won what 15 of his last 24 games or 25 games, 14, yeah, 14 of his last 25, and, and you know, how many? How many at how many points through Kentucky football? I know in the forty years that I've been here, can you point to a, a stretch like that? Not very many, of course. No. There, there are some caveats in there on certain things happen. Sure, uh, that. But by the same token, at the end of the day, the record's the record, and not very many people have done that. Absolutely, the schedules have, have changed, uh, you know, through the years, and certainly the SEC East is not what it was when you look at what the SEC East was nine, ten years ago. Um, and that that's slipped and fallen off. Um, but still, it's uh, I think he's put together uh, an excellent record. I, I, I think, you know, um, the recruiting has been very, very good and, and continues to, to be at, at a pretty good level. And but then still there are fans who are not happy. I mean uh, – Everybody wants a winner. Well – And you never win enough even if you're Nick Saban. Yeah, you're right. And especially I think is, is the way – in particular the way this last season, 2017, started out. Uh, you have great opportunity. And uh, that opportunity can be hard to find. But then again, uh, I, have, I haven't counted up what the points were on the games, but, you know, he's, he's been in a lot of close games, and you got to find a way to win those close games. And uh, Mark Stoops has been able to win close games, it's, but, but it's, it's so hard to win all of them. Well, that's, that's, just, that's the big thing. You're never going to so win all of yeah, them. Yeah, it's But tough. If, if you think you could, of course, you can look down. Any, I go back and look at the schedules. Sometimes in the '80s, where Jerry Claiborne would be five and six or six and five, and you'd always find yeah. three or four games where it was a three-point game or a two-point sure. game or a missed field goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess that happens everywhere, not just Kentucky. Yeah, and uh, you know Jerry only had really the one season, '84, when he was able to win the close games. Yeah. Just that, just that. One year when, when Paul Calhoun faked the punt at Mississippi State, they won the game in Starkville, and of course the game. I in think Knoxville. he had. I think he had four Probably. years with five six records. Yeah, and any four of those would have been turned yeah. around by one game. That's Tennessee. Right. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. I mean, how many times did he go in that final game at five hundred, just needing one? Just one more, and uh, couldn't quite get over the hump, but. You know, Mark Stoops has proven that he can win the close ones, and that's important. And uh, you know, I think I think with the way there's there was great opportunity going into last season because you knew the SEC East wasn't going to be wasn't going to be very good. So I mean, at least you know, as far as Tennessee, Florida, and Georgia not being what they were, um, you look ahead to next season. Uh, I think there's still opportunity there. 
schedule is going to be a little tougher. Uh, Got to decide on a quarterback. So there's always a lot of there's always a lot of questions. But I, you know, when it comes to football, Oscar, I always go back to what Kaywood Ludford said to me so many years ago. Somebody asked Kaywood, "Well, how's the football team going to be?" And he said, "Well, it's a mystery." <laughs> and you know, most seasons, most seasons we get to August, and that's the way it is in Lexington, Kentucky. And I think that's the way it's going to be uh, next August, and it'll be here before we know. We go to Tubby leaving, Billy Clyde Gillespie. If yeah, I usually ask my guests if there was anything you could do over again, what mm-hmm. one thing would it be? Mm-hmm. I think we can both guess what Mitch Barnhart right. would be. Yeah, it was it was not good. It was uh, what you look upon now as a, 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 a quick decision uh, that uh, was was not good for. For the university was was not good for Billy. I tell you, Oscar, uh, and to go to to go back to what I was saying about you know most professional or best or worst or, or whatever. I, I, Billy, strangest person I ever met in my life, hands down, strangest individual I ever met in my life. Was he difficult to work with uh, on the show? Things got done, so I I appreciated that. Um, but, um, you know, I always had the feeling with, with Billy that, you know, he just didn't trust me and you know, he, he had he, no he, reason. He gave, he gave an appearance so that he treated everybody that way. Yeah. He didn't trust anyone. Yeah. I don't think he trusted anybody. And I could never understand that. Why, how, uh, how that could be, but I never felt like, uh, he, he, he just didn't, uh, trust me and he just, uh, well, undoubtedly didn't trust the media. So he didn't trust anybody in the media and kind of, you know, also probably despised, despised the media. But I'll, I'll never forget the first show that we taped. He came out to the station. And uh, like I said, things always got done. I mean, after the, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a difficult situation after the last game at Notre Dame, the NIT game that they lost, how we were going to handle all that because we knew that was the end. But to go back to the first, the first time he came out, uh, he sat down next to me. He sat on my right. I don't know the usual, hi, how you doing? How are mm-hmm. things going? How's practice? How are things looking? This and that. And then, but I just there was no conversation with him. He just sat there. <laughs> so we're sitting there waiting. I'm waiting for tape to roll. Well, you know, and I everything everything that was said, I initiated. I initiated. I initiated. And I got to a point where I thought, well, let's roll tape. Not much else no, let's get this darn, let's get this thing going. I don't know. But then he would just just sit there with, uh, you know, and uh, that grin uh, that he had, and uh, uh, it was it was uh, it was it was strange. I went to the first press conference. Okay. Asked a question. Mm-hmm. Just the one. He never spoke to me. And I made no attempt to do it either. I mean, he yeah. walked by me on press row yeah. before a game when we were doing the pregame and everything. And I thought, well, you know, if he didn't want to talk, that's fine with me. So yeah. when he finally uh, got through Alan Cutler chasing him that day yeah. on TV, <laughs> they called up and they said, hey, well, he was going to have a press conference over at the uh, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. motel or okay. was it over off of uh, mm-hmm. Ironworks Pike. And I did not attend that. And uh, I thought, you know, I've been here for 50 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let a guy be a coach here for two years and have never even mm-hmm. said hi. So I went over to the press conference and asked a question and he got through. And when he got through, everybody left. They were probably 20 or 30 people. No one walked up to him to congratulate him. They just left. And he stood there for a couple minutes. And he turned around and started walking about out underneath the tent. And the Marriott's were Yeah, this was, yeah, now I do. Now that you say yeah. that, I do re- recall that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as he started, so I, I just sort of took a couple mm-hmm. quick steps and Hey, Billy, mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to say I, I really thought I was hoping you'd get another year, you know. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and I said, I'm Oscar Combs. I do the pregame show. Thank you. <laughs> Turned and walked off. That was it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I feel sorry for him in a way. I mean, I've watched his career since then. And it's here and there. And he still comes across to me as a, whatever he is, 45, 50-year-old immature teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah but having said all that, I'm told, and I think most people understand and realize that John Calipari was – just as interested in the job at that Very time much so. mm-hmm. as he was this time. Yeah. Uh, what's an old thing? What if? Yeah. What if they had hired him? We would. We wouldn't even know who Billy Clyde Gillespie is today. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's but a- had he come here and been somewhat successful, mm-hmm. then you would have never had a John Calipari, would you? That's that's uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> now let's go to John Calipari. <laughs> right. That's uh, that's you know I, I hadn't thought about it in in those terms, but you're absolutely uh, you're absolutely right. Um, Cal, uh, best thing best thing that could have happened for the Kentucky program. Um, you know, I think I've said before. You know, he is a uh, um, like a he's a he's a a Pied Piper, a P.T. Barnum, and a damn good basketball coach all rolled into one. He uh, uh, and a person you you have to be a special individual to strap this program on your back and run with it. And you talk about the right person at the right time. And he, you know, I. I admire him. I know there there are those out there who don't like the one and done. Uh, there are some people pretty close to me who don't care for the one and done. But uh, I admire him uh, very, very much. It's uh, it's 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 been remarkable, and I can't imagine, you know, having to be the individual to follow him. That's what goes through my mind when I think about it. What's uh, somebody will do it. They'll be making a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> They'll be making a hell of a lot of money. But um, I can't imagine really Oscar trying to follow in his in his footsteps. It uh, what I mean, he's done. What there's he's, so much of a huge footprint. Yeah. 
besides what's on the court, the involvement yes, off the with court. the community, yeah. the involvement with national media personalities, mm-hmm. the, the the involvement he's had, like the time he went to the town hall meeting down in Atlanta mm-hmm. at Morehouse College, mm-hmm. the effect he's had on all these different and I don't I don't know if he's ever had a day of R and R. I don't know how he, I don't know how people uh, have the level of energy because uh, I can I can tell you it's it's not easy. I don't I don't know how he how he has the level of energy to to do what he does. I guess there there are people who you see in in politics who have who have a lot of energy and can can uh, do all this. But what he has done, just not on the court but off the court, it is it. Uh, is truly remarkable. I think the fans, far and wide across this state, uh, appreciate it, appreciate it so much. And uh, as far as this season is concerned, uh, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge. I really, I personally can't see it. Uh, trying to, you know, you losing the the level of experience that that he had there, but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be fun as we finish up December here and, and go through the conference, it's going to be a challenge. So I'm, I'm interested, interested to see how it pans out. Rob, <laughs> it is great collecting your memories uh, and your thoughts yeah. of a 40-year career. And no one's been doing this in, t- in the TV business than you in the history of the University well, of Kentucky. I was blessed to be able to do it, Oscar, as, as, long, as, uh, as long as I did. I, I really was and thankful and blessed to have to have good support all the way uh, from the people at the station, um, and but the people out there watching, the viewers. Very blessed and thankful, and so thankful to have friends like you uh, uh, along the way who have who have always been so supportive of me. It's meant a lot to me. Uh, I admire you and what you've done over the years. The energy that you have to keep going and to stay out there the way the way you have. I admire you very, very, very much. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. And let me just say one thing. You've always been first class. Thank you. You've never taken a shot at anyone. That means a lot in this day and time. And let me just say this. From a guy we both respect immensely, came with liberty. Uh-huh. Very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. We'll have more with Rob Bromley in an upcoming episode, but if you want to hear about his career, check out episode 35. To access all of Oscar's episodes of Conversations, go to oscarcombs.com. Episodes of Conversations include Kyle Macy, Leroy Bird, Dave Hopewell, Phil Greer, and Billy Ray Lickard. Episodes of Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's are also available in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Search for at Wildcat News and subscribe. By subscribing, you are guaranteed to never miss an episode as they are automatically downloaded to your mobile device and ready for you to listen to. And to stay up to date with all of Oscar's podcast and thoughts on the Big Blue, follow him at Twitter. Follow him on Twitter, Oscars at Wildcat News. I'm Bo Robinson thanking you for listening to another episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's. And as always, go Big Blue.